Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Dewing Grain are independent and local grade traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, they can offer you the best strategies to achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Each week on our podcast, we begin with the Dewing Grain Market Report, giving you up-to-date information and analysis, followed by Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues with a guest or two while sampling a beer. Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and this week's Market Report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows are my thoughts or gut instincts on what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market report for week commencing 20th of February 2023. Well, first thing to report is our doing grain walk was very successful. Ben and I went walking around the walks of North Burlingham and South Walsham and we were joined by a listener. We've definitely got a listener, and we didn't know who he was before he turned up. He sort of introduced himself as Oscar Smith, and it was great. He had our undivided attention for a couple of hours, and it was a really enjoyable, lovely walk. I mean, one observation I'd make is the ground is very dry. We'll come on to that a bit more in a little while, but, you know, that time of year you'd expect to wear a bit of mud around your boots by the end of it, but no, it was pretty darn dry. So, well done, Oscar, for turning up. I look forward to seeing you and plenty of others at the next walk, which I will We'll decide where that's going to be in a week or two's time, but the date will probably be Friday the 10th of March, I would suggest. Anyway, we will know more about that later. So moving on to another interesting note about dryness. It is February, and I would suggest that it's a very rare event for Fakenham races to be cancelled in February due to dry conditions. Now, there's a little clue about water deficit, and I'm very worried about my colleague in the trade, Tom Rivett, and all those gentlemen farmers in North Norfolk, with Fakenham races closed for the day, what are they going to do? I mean, good Lord, that's half the winter work done with, isn't it? Anyway, that one's for you, Tom. Yeah, at the forecast, the long-range forecast, Feb to April for France and the UK is drier than usual Feb to April. So I believe we mentioned a drought in here previously. Now, a little bits of rain will keep things going nicely. Until the weather warms up, it isn't really going to lose all the moisture that is there. However, there is a deficit, and when we get into the warmer months, if there's nothing coming on a regular basis through April, you know, April showers in the last few years haven't appeared, but I'm waving the flag of concern at this point. It will come into the conscious thought of people soon, and they will start worrying about whether their crop's going to come on. At this point, it looks great. It's in good condition as a sweeping statement. We are aware that there are a few fields of oilseed rape have not survived the winter. They've come out in poor condition with flea beetle damage and the frosts and what have you that's occurred, and they're being pulled up and pulses are being put in their place. So the point being that mostly the crops have done well through the winter, but underlyingly, there is going to be a need for regular amounts of water. So you heard it here first. Right, so moving on to prices. Let's see where we are. If you have some spot feed barley or some barley that can move next week, there are one or two people trying to buy to fill up a boat or two they've got. And there's a reluctance of farm selling that's been occurring. So you could probably make 210x for feed barley for immediate movement. If you're pricing it for March you'd be being paid 205. So it doesn't take a great mathematician to work out that it's more money selling it for immediate movement and you get your cash. So Feed Barley has that lack of farmer selling thing going on, which is pushing the price up. That's all I've got to say about Feed Barley on Old Crop. Old Crop Feed Wheat, current value for March 230, April 232. 
May 232 won't pay any premium for May because we're already stuffed out with the damn stuff. June 235 and July probably 238. If someone came along and said, right, here's a lump of July wheat, you can move any time in the month, you can have it at 240. I think I'd be tempted. I think the dynamic of July price, and for what it's worth, what I'd do is, if I bought it, I would sell my futures, wait for them to come down, and then when it gets to July, the premium will have appeared over the relative futures value. So that would be my tactic. But yeah, I need a bit of July wheat. I do think the end of the year will be a car crash, and I don't need to worry too much about it. But I think I can make a turn out of it if someone traded it with me now which shows there is a premium for storage to the very end. Everybody wants to clear out before July, especially if there's this famous drought. There might be an early harvest again, and everyone's finished harvest of new crop by the end of July, and you needed your wheat store clear. So, yeah, maybe we won't get many takers of July, and that's the reason why it will go up in value. Moving on to milling wheat. £60 premium, which equates, if you're ex-farm, probably £55 premium from Norfolk because of the extra haulage. Still a very good price, you know, if you're looking at 280 odd 290 for, for, for a wheat. I think most of you have done what you're going to do with that anyway. I don't see any pressure on you, really. There isn't that much stock of milling wheat around, in our opinion. Oilseed rape is back down a bit to 455x for old crop, which equates to 460 on the new crop. As I've said, there's word of some fields being pulled up due to the weather and the fact that they haven't come through the winter well with the flea beetle damage. So that's a slightly bullish story to add to the new crop rape supply. That's old crop done. So let's look at new crop. Current feed wheat price futures at time of recording. I'm valuing at 236. But if you do the maths, we will pay £20 under the NOV futures delivered to store for immediate harvest movement. So that's 216 delivered or 206x. I've mentioned the £10 haulage. If farmer arranges it, he's going to make hopefully some money out of that. But I don't want to be chasing lorries at harvest time. So November X Farm 221, which is £15 under the NOV futures. That's where we're pricing at. And I think most of the trade are around that same level. Not really clear. On paper, there's a very big wheat crop coming for next year. Weather willing. But there's plenty of stuff in the ground. And it looks really well at this point. A million wheat premiums are healthy because it's harder to achieve that without chucking very expensive nitrogen on so there's the expected premiums are in the sort of 60 pound a ton range again i understand not something i'm gonna get involved with until i know what quality the harvest wheat is moving on to malting barley probably you would see 260 for perfect spring barley that's about the value of it for harvest movement and 250 for winter barley maybe a bit less than that there seems to be the craft brewers are struggling a little bit winter barley goes a lot into that market i think well we shall see winter barley is everybody's sort of no we don't need any of that it's rubbishy old stuff i'd much rather have spring all the time which is fine but if you're an old person you know that every now and again you get a disaster on the spring barley crop and then everybody loves winter barley because they can still make beer from the product that it is so it is one of those it's all very well kicking winter barley into touch and telling everyone you don't need any for two or three years but all of a sudden you haven't got the spring barley supply and there's lots of debate about that you know the spring barley supply that we've had the scottish colleges saying there's possibly a deficit in scotland you've got certain molsters brewers molsters mainly coming up with all sorts of reasons why no no that's rubbish the acceptance rate will be 95 percent and there'll be lots of beer 150,000 tonne surplus there and talking the market down and all of the things that they do and it's kind of like there's no allowance for a weather problem 
And there is greater demand in Scotland because they're building facilities to take malting barley. There's also several AD plants going in. There's land being taken up for other things. It is not as easy to be confident about supply of spring barley, I don't think, as the maltster says. My instinct at the moment, especially with the dry weather forecast, is to sit with it. I mean, if it is going to be dry, we'll get the stuff in the ground well. And if it is only dry until April and then it starts raining, that will be great. It will be perfect conditions and will come on rather nicely. But I think there's no need to rush on selling your malting barley at the moment. In saying that, when you're confronted with 260x farm for barley, for immediate harvest movement, you have to sort of say to yourself, well, that actually is a bit of a profit. I will take some. So maybe from a wise perspective, a load or two sold at those levels is just purely not a bad benchmark to start at. So it's how you feel about it, really. The other thing to discuss, if you look at recent reports and analysis coming out about wheat stocks, it's a very bearish story. There's 33% stock to use ratio allegedly coming our way and predicted production, assuming it's going to perform well across the whole world, that is. But at the same time, you have a weather forecast which is predicting cold weather in France and the UK and Spain in the next month. And then ongoing amongst that, it's based on a high pressure dry weather, which is going to start putting a bit of a strain on the crop if it doesn't have a forecast of rain, which inevitably will make people feel a bit nervous. So sentiment should come into the picture somewhere. Someone's going to get a little what-if concerns, you know, their imagination goes wild and I'll buy some and the chartists join in and up she goes. And just for once, the very last thing on market prices is obviously this is the anniversary this week of the invasion of Ukraine and allegedly he's piling troops into the area and he's about to make another big push. So I can't see that being particularly bearish and I can't see you know the grain corridor remaining open as he gets offended at people getting upset with what he's doing so I think there's a potential for a bit of a rally within that right that's it my guest this week on the farm chat is just priceless it's one of the Almy brothers we had William on a few months ago Brian has sneakily appeared without letting his brothers know so they'll be surprised when they listen on Monday morning but you can listen to the major benefits of a fantastic Norfolk accent and I put to you that Brian should be a newsreader on the BBC so the whole of the nation doesn't spend its time coming out with phrases like in it like all of the other BBC presenters are kind of North London and everyone accepts it quite how the woke brigade would take to having Brian reading the news but it would be so much more pleasurable a nice slow paced beautiful county accent that never appears on the television so enjoy that alone and then what we talk about is just priceless so Brian thanks for coming on and I hope you enjoy it thank you for listening please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours Brown & Co. are excited to introduce the scale-up phase of the Future Farming Resilience Fund. This DEFRA-funded project enables Brown & Co. to provide free, on-farm tailored support to farmers across all of England until March 2025. We have worked with hundreds of farmers over the past two years delivering the initial phases of this project and have widened our support offer as a result of farmer feedback. We believe the choice we offer farmers is unique, with land, planning, environmental, commercial and agribusiness divisions all under one roof. We provide professional advice across a range of disciplines delivered from our in-house teams. Whether it is finding a commercial use for a disused barn, investigating planning potential, managing business finances, working collaboratively with neighbours, optimising environmental income streams, producing a greenhouse gas footprint, or discussing your business options going forward, Brown & Co. can support you on this journey. 
If you would like to find out more or sign up to the scheme, please email defraffr at brown-co.com or call 01480-598-869 and ask to speak to a member of the team. Right, today is a very special treat for a very famous farming family. We've got a surprise guest who's going to surprise his little brothers and mates and everybody. I've got Brian Almy with me. Good afternoon, Brian. Hello, Andrew. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Is that sort of sneakily quite nice to be here and they didn't know you were coming? Well, I just, I said I'd do it in a week or two and then I thought, well, I'm in the yard now. If I dwell on it too much, that'll never happen. So exactly. There you go. So the Almy family, we've already had William on, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah, we'll have all of them I'm going the to end. play the same trick as he did to me because i just got to let him hear up <laughs> when that's out. Absolutely. Classic Almy, if I may say. We have Jack to come, Sam to come at some point, and anyone else. Anyone else. Can, yeah. Anyway, so first things first, I think for the for the uninitiated and the foreigners who listen to our thing, I'm going to start off with your Norfolk accent, because I've known you all my life, I know how you speak, and you have a very pronounced, if people haven't spotted it already, Norfolk accent. Yeah, well, as I said to you, when I was young, I was always embarrassed about my Norfolk accent. But as the years have gone on, you don't need to impress people. I don't. I'm proud of it now. I really am proud of it. Well, it does impress people, you see, because everyone else speaks like North London because all the BBC presenters come out with that and all the kids copy them. And it's in it, in it. Well... Yeah. That's how it is now. So you can now speak in a language that is is truly English with a bit of Norfolk in there, and they look at you a bit puzzled, some of them, don't they? Well, that's right. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> they do anyway. Let's give the, what exactly, you know, your job working on a family farm where all of the brothers have been employed, you know, three of you working closely with each other, well, with your father when he was with us. Absolutely. Yes, yes. And your, and your mother, who, who recently passed away, which, you know, it's a, it's a big moment. You know, it's very unusual for three brothers to work together in harmony. Yeah, I mean, we've been lucky, really, because we've all got on. We had our little... We ain't got a big business, but we all had a little section, which is our thing, and we just, like, always got on. We aren't... Which makes you the exception, doesn't it? Well, I think so. We've just been lucky. We're pretty easy girl, and I think sure. that works. If you listen to Williams, uh, and I haven't listened back to it before this, I'm pretty certain you saying that. He said exactly the same thing. We're lucky. Just put it to you, it isn't luck. It is basic attitude to life, nature of the individuals. Three brothers working as adults all the way through together in harmony is down to the three of you having a, I don't know, easy going. Yeah, I mean, we have our moments, but they're getting, as time go on, less and less and never at all, you know. We all have our opinions, but we always help each other and work round if there's a problem. Well, there's a lot to be learned from people out there from that. So what was your section? What was your bit in the farming? Well, I just... That started in, like, the 80s. We hadn't got enough work for the pe- for our staff on the farm, so Dad just bought a lorry, and that's gone from there, really, and we're never gone... So you, to... you pulled the short straw and went... Oh, well, no, I, you... I sort of fell into it, and that fitted, and we never gone into it big time, but we had some good people we worked for and still work for, and, and that's gone well for us, for a small business, you know. And the lorry driving has been predominantly carting agricultural produce isn't it so we're talking about moving your grain yes grain sugar beet fertilizer and agricultural whatever 
We do. Yeah. So, I mean, so you move your own grain, which is a benefit. Yes. You know you can get a lorry to get it moved. That's a good start. And it took you too many years to realise the best place to move stuff quickly was Aylesham. Well, we learnt that too late in life, I must say that. No. We're stubborn. (laughs) Yeah, but we've, you know, to become a believer in the end means you go to heaven and heaven is Aylesham grain. (laughs) Yes, well, it is really. Yeah, it's, uh, it's open, isn't it? And you just come in when you cut it, which is... Not that complicated. You don't really. have to phone 50 people up to get numbers and uh, all well, the rest you know, of it and arrive at the same thing. You haven't got a booking number, I'm sorry. You can't come up till next Wednesday. Why? There's an empty pit and you've got the thing running and there's nothing in the holding bin. Why can't we just tip it? <laughs> I love it. Old school. Anyway, so carting your own grain is, is you know a certain amount of time, but then there's obviously the harvest busy period, and then obviously naturally you went into sugar beet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sugar beet has been the backbone of Norfolk agriculture all of my life and, and well before then. Yes. But I, as I understand it, you're contemplating not doing sugar well, beet Well, we just, the, over the last, that hence sort of really worked for us as well as that has done in the past, and uh, that just really, we thought that was time to make a change. That's polite. In there, there was about how many years ago was it that the sugar organisation decided that they could do it cheaper? That was six, seven years ago. Yeah, maybe a bit longer actually. Yeah. So someone somewhere in deepest, darkest London, we'll say London because they're to blame for everything, aren't they? Came up with the idea that we can do the haulage cheaper than what's happening at the moment with farmers doing their own and local hauliers doing particular farmers and providing them a service. They said nope. We'll do it ourselves. In effect, that's what they did, isn't it? Yeah, that is pretty well what they thought they could do. Price got squeezed down. Service wasn't anywhere near as good. People ended up with 10 tonnes left or all sorts of messes all over the place. So the service level was massively lower as well. And then haulage firms like Shorten's just went... Yeah, there's a lot. If you... I'd like to sit down one day and just work out how many lorries are gone from this area. Not only haulage contractors, there was farm lorries... Yeah. And the whole thing, that's sort of circumstances, really, because then you had the driver shortage, you know, and just the whole thing has changed in, like we say, six years. But it was that catalyst moment that made people just go, that's it, wasn't it? You know, clearly, Sugar Beet's great in the sense you can, if Cantley's running, but Cantley felt a bit this year, didn't they? They hadn't invested or whatever. So you had to divert to Whissington or yes, Barry St Edmunds. So instead of doing five loads a day, you're doing two. Yeah, that was... That really, for us personally, our business, that didn't work for us. You know, we're along, that's about an hour and 35, 40 minutes. Yeah. You couldn't do the loads a day. So the whole thing, just that yeah. circumstances and that just didn't... I mean, if County came before. back on, would it be more... I, I think the talk is that that is got to come back on, but, you know... Do you think they thought about trying it and see this? if we can shut this? Cause that's well, factory, maybe. that might have been, you know, that might have been. I, I really don't know, but that didn't work for us carting them all that way. If they brought it back next year, would you go, right, ah, do you know what, I'll carry on back to Cantley again? Mm, well, I think said, no, we're it. still going to cart around, B, obviously, but mm. we're, I think that that's, you is know, it? we've done it a long while, and, like I say, we're getting, getting older and want to do things slightly different. So does that mean more time playing golf then, Brian? I don't play golf. Oh, what do you do then? What are you going to do with your spare time? Well, I don't say I'm going to have a lot of spare time, but not be as busy, should okay. I say, at work, or have, have the day-to-day pressure, if that's, a, if that's the right well, they, thing. they reckon if you retire, you're busier than if you were... Well, I don't think I'll retire, to be honest with you. I don't think that's... No, 
I can't that imagine there being not on my an Almy retiring. There's never been an Almy retirement, do has there? No, <laughs> no, no. No, that would be that would be quite an event, wouldn't it? Yeah, you we know, don't we don't retire. I don't think Brian Almy's retiring at 103 years old. He's I no don't longer... think I'll be here when I'm 103. No, no, no. I don't think any of us want to be really, do we? Not really. Um, yeah, nice slurp of tea. Um, yeah, so with that in mind, you got on the farm, things are healthy. There's a, It's been a good year in terms of grain. It hasn't been so sharp on sugar beet, I doubt, on yields, has it? No, it's not been not as bad as people thought. I think things are better. The crops yeah, the ended t- up much better because in the summertime, and we were counting the grain yeah. in here, the beet just thought, everyone thought, well, they were right off. But well, from they somehow like, they came back. They were like parsnips, weren't they? Well, that was unbelievable. Some people, it did get frosted out as well, didn't they? They got that sort of black. Yeah, we had that early frost late November and some people really hit them hard, you know, but just the seasons. Well, you have seasons that come. You have seasons. Spud, you don't do spuds, do you? No, no spuds, no. But that's been a... Those boys have had a toughish year, haven't they? They're not, they're not enjoying it, and there's, you know, there's less acres of that going in the yeah, ground. Yeah, I think every year they seem to be getting less, but as I say, we don't, we don't grow spuds, so we don't really no, follow you, that one. And you never bothered to cart them? Not really, no. We used to years ago, but we never sort of got... We sort of knocked that on the head, really. That didn't fit in with us. And then, uh, but I mean, the thing is, if you've got a lorry, you have to... It has to be taxed, doesn't it? I mean, so if you, you, will you be using the lorry, I assume? You'll still be driving. Oh, yeah, we'll still be, be just doing what we do and we're still the same. Just not sugar Just beet. not sugar beet. Yeah, that's interesting. And I mean, other things like fertiliser, I mean, I don't know what the fleets of lorries are like for that. We don't deal in fertiliser, as you know. But is that a busy trade? Is that Well, that's busy, but of course that's seasonal, you know. You get the... Now through till probably the end of April, that'll yeah. be busy. There's a little more, that's a bit more involved to cart fertiliser. You need to, if you're carting AN, you need an ADR and that's yeah. more involved and a bit more expensive. And, and they do ADR. sometimes struggle. Most people already got their fertiliser delivered this year. They bought it early, didn't they? And everyone took it in the store and... Yeah, I, I think I think that. So there's l- less to move. There's less, probably less to move now. To be honest, yes. Yeah, and if they'd waited, they'd been buying three hundred pound a ton less. Well, that's that's <laughs> how it is, you know. The other year, that was the other way round. So that's how that falls. Did you see? Do you watch Clarkson's Farm? No, I haven't got that. We've got about 300 channels, but we don't happen to have that one. Well, Amazon, you know? It's on Amazon. It, well, I watched the first series, and the second series has just come out, and we'll talk about it separately on another podcast with the with the boys. I, I think he's done... You can see he, he's editing it, but I, I honestly think he does such a good job making the really important points for farmers about how... how yeah, well, Jack it. saw it, and he said that's the funniest thing he's ever seen on telly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, I mean, there's a bit on this one about the planners... And the guy who stands up as the chairman of the planning committee is just exactly... If you were to draw a picture in your head of what a bloke who's in charge of the planning committee would look like, who worked for a council all his life and was like, you know, three hours a week and flexi time and, and just... It, it was him. There he stood up. And, it, and he said he said at the start of the meeting, but when they voted against his restaurant, he said, there's a draw in the, in the voting. I am the deciding vote and I'll cast my vote to, to sway it. So it comes to the vote... And uh, he goes, those of you against... His arm goes straight up. He's like, he calls it, and he shouldn't technically put his hand up. He should be the deciding vote. But I found that very funny. 
But yeah, you know, you, you'll have to watch it because that is a good good job for farmers. Mm. The Norfolk thing, right? Right. You know, in in this county, things have changed a bit in our time, haven't they? Absolutely. You know, is it for the good? Well, I suppose when I get a bit old and moan more, <laughs> I get sick of hearing myself moaning sometimes. But <laughs> you'd like to think you'd like to think that was for the good. But you you know, all the houses are built unbelievable. When you go around the NDR, that's all all well, joined up to Roxham. As as you know, you know, I was involved in building some houses in Munsley, and um, my observation of the houses that we built, there were forty four of them. There were some affordables in there which had Norfolk people in them, but all of the other properties had people from basically Greater London. Or there were some who'd been originally from sort of Surrey, that area, who came up to Norfolk about ten, fifteen years ago, then moved in at they sort of downsized right. having bought the bought the middle of the village out years ago. But the dynamic of it is you have little London on your doorstep and the kind of attitude to just, I don't know, the, the way things go in a village is kind of, there's a little bit more relaxed about, uh, you know, one or two things like mud on the road or stuff. And these guys are on every conceivable little thing. Yeah, I well, know. We've got, we got a total, in our village, we, we live in Suffield, and we sort of live on one of the roads up one end of the village, and we've got an unbelievable different lot of people live on that road from all walks of life. Yeah, that's unbelievable. From a lot of them from London, like you say. I mean, there's not many, but they're all different walks of life. You can't believe what they've done, and they're mostly retired now at sixty. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's you know, there's a thing that uh, there's a whole lot of retired people mid fifties onwards. You're right. Goodness knows what they do with the time, but other than moan about this, that, and the other going on in the village, it's like I think the retirement is bad for you in that context, isn't it? Well, I I think so. You, I don't know. Like you say, I don't know how they fill the time up. To be honest with you, well, and obviously you've got the best pub in the country now, haven't you, Suffield? Well, Arms. yeah, yeah, Suffield Arms and Gunton Arms, yeah. See, I've had my mates up to there, and even London types think that's the coolest spot. I've got a, I've got a mate called Scotty who lives in Vienna, right? And I took him in there, and we had a couple of beers, and he said, "I am the greatest thing ever on the pool table." Really? Yeah, yeah. Now we always like we don't. I don't go there much, but we always like to see the different sort of people you get there. You know. I just want to finish this story of Paul because I beat him leaving seven balls on the table, and I've never ever in all my life beaten anyone leaving seven balls on the table before. <laughs> and I'm purely telling this story for my own pleasure because he listens. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> I'll have to introduce you. I'll say, look, here's Brian, who's on the old... who listened to my story about the pool, Scotty. Well... You can ask him. No, so that, we're lucky to have that. Yeah. Which is always full and always different sorts of people up there. God, blimey. I mean, Dear, oh, dear. Yeah, well, some of them, they travel a very long way to come there, don't they? I don't know what they expect, but it's kind of... The best thing that Ivor Bracker, who owns it, who also owns the Gunton Arms, which is a superb pub as well... There's no sort of airs and graces in there. It? it genuinely does play the part of being just a pub, doesn't it? That is unbelievable, because we all say between ourselves, if I put a pair of glasses on or sort of jacket, like some people go in there and wear them, everyone would take the mick yeah. at me, but those sort of people carry it off, don't they? <laughs> They'd think I was doing it for a joke, wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah, well, they parade past, and you have to think that to yourself and then think, now, 
That's the Emperor's New Clothes. I can't say they're oh, naked, dear. but they are. Yeah, I've got those red glasses look stupid on you, mate. But Yeah, no, it's true. But I guess in time that'll, that'll be the fashion up here, won't it? No. Don't you think? No, definitely not. You won't be slipping into a sort of colourful check, sort of pink jacket with some red glasses. And... Wow. There's, you never can say never. <laughs> No, well, allegedly, you know, it's like flares, isn't it? You would have been around in the 70s. Oh, I had some so good flares, def- exactly. I did. You wore flares. And the platforms. Exactly. So you have Birmingham bags. What are they called? That, that, those ones well, I can't remember those things. Anyway, really big, wide flares and platform shoes. You did that in the 70s. I always remember, can you remember the girls used to wear those sort of like sheepskin coats with the patterns on, with the, what, with the wrong inside out? Can you remember them? They were a 70s thing. They've got, like, long bits on. Can you remember no, those? Yeah, um, yeah, like goat hair, you mean? Yeah, that type yeah, of thing. Yeah, vaguely. But that didn't, that didn't strike me as the thing oh, I'd I remember that. the most in the 70s. It was kind of the tail end of miniskirts and hot pants when I was a bit too young to appreciate quite how good they were. So do they have to sign up to listen to this, or can they just go on to the podcast? And I'm if you listen to my podcast. Really? That's oh, I didn't understand. I ain't got a clue how are... they work, to be no, honest. No, no, I didn't. The only person I listened to on the podcast was my own podcast, because right. I'd done a podcast, and I said, well, how do I listen to it? So they then showed me and put me on, so then I was able to subscribe, right. which I'm sure you've done by now, because I know you do listen. Yeah. So it appears, doesn't it? So you just, each week, that turns up, doesn't it? So... Once you press the podcast button and you press subscribe, it appears. Well, I'll tell you one thing I never do, and I'm going to do that now. You've reminded me. And when Claire and uh, Susie used to edit, they say, remember to say, can you give us a rating? If a load of you just once could give us a rating, it like pushes your podcast up the list somehow, somewhere or another, for somebody who's impressed with things like that. So if you could just like, and obviously you can't give me anything other than a five-star rating because that's clearly what we need. And then... Apparently that will solve all my problems. No, I, I can't figure out how people can just pick up on different things. How how would you like? You know, how do they find yours that, from other parts of the world? How does that work then? What, what would they put uh, in their search? Or they put grain, I guess. Grain right, prices, and that just I guess so. There aren't many. I mean, it's hardly the most sexy subject, is it? Not really, Well, to, to be honest. To me it is, but to the world it isn't. So I guess a farmer or a student or someone who wants to tap in, oh, what's happening with grain prices, let's tap into, they wouldn't find the word doing because that's an unusual surname anyway, predominantly from Norfolk for what it's right. worth. So, so the word is grain, I guess, that they find and... Yeah, they'll sift through it and they'll go, that looks a rum, and we'll press that button. And then, obviously, once they're in, they're mesmerised and hooked forever. Can't leave it alone. Well, you know, as I said to you, we've got 37 or 38 countries listening to us and 3,000, I can't remember how many thousand listeners we have now, and they all listen. So if you times that through the whole year, there's, it's if I want it to be, it's a real ego trip. But as I've said to a number of people, when I persuaded you, and I had to persuade you to do this, didn't I? I had to sort of talk you Well, you did, it. and then I thought, I'll give it a week or two to think about it. And then I suddenly thought, no, no do it. here we go. Well, I'm, I, I'm sure you'll be glad you did. The dynamic of being captured on this is not the right word, but it, but it kind of is. Years from now, people will listen to your voice and this conversation. And people who are related to you, people who like the family people you know norfolk it's a very strange thing podcasts are a good invention it's digital it'll be safe forever and that that's mind-boggling yeah that's that's funny that is because you talk about that i was watching youtube the other day and i put in parston which is a village near munsley yeah and uh 
I was just flicking through some old films. That's really nice because I watched one particular little clip and he was talking about just after the war or whatever. And then he said, and of course, we had all what they had in the village, like we had a shop. Mm. And then we said we had two or three people that had a milk round and there was Mrs. Almy had her milk round. And I just thought that was, you know, just a nice... Uh, and that was grandmother yeah that was my grandmother you know and i just thought well that's that's nice just to to hear that with the norfolk roots which <laughs> like I say i'm proud of well, well funny enough the last week we had the doing grain or the doing podcast walk i've announced once a month we're going to walk somewhere right right and the first week we walked from Alsham, and that's just us from the office this week ben and i went to go and do it and see if anyone turned up and someone turned up we had a guest we didn't know who he was this bloke this young lad Young man, I should say. Um, Oscar Smith, his name was. Right. right? And uh, he'd got his what three words, which some people... Everybody in this county needs to know how what three words works. If you don't, look it up, find out how it works. It might save your life one day. So what three words, this guy pressed a button, was able to park his car on that spot. And we we met him, and uh, we walked all around South Walsh and Burlingham and through Fairhaven and around that way. And as we walked through the village, walked past the ship, closed... Walk past the... That's South Walsham, is South that? South Walsham, yeah. yeah. The old post office on the on the bend where there used to be a garage opposite, who I bought my RD250 off, what was his name? Robinson. Right. Robinson's garage. And he'd souped it up, and when I went to sell it, I got in a bit of trouble, and I didn't know he'd scraped the pistons and made them. I don't know what it was, but it was a very scary motorbike. Anyway, the post office was the village stores as well, garage, pub. King's Arms, they're dismantling it. That's the, was that the white pub? On the as on that on, the on that sort of, sort of on that, that bit of a bend, yeah, yeah. Is that this? It, it's recently been a Thai restaurant, and it's now being dismantled and going to be turned into residential homes. But there were two pubs, and then walking past that, back towards where my parents lived, there was the spa shop, and opposite that was the butchers. So when I moved there in 1973, there were all of these local businesses providing, you know, just yeah, well, these various services. When I I first lived at. Bradfield, when I left home, I used to, that's only a tiny little village through the back there mm. towards Trunch, and there was a post office there, and I was, I'd tell people like my nephews, and that, I used to stop there and get some ham on the way home, and they, that was a little shop, and they can't believe it, you know, and that was just... The, no, I, uh, just like going into someone's front room, that was unbelievable. Well, funnily enough, the, the, the King's Arms pub had been knocked down enough, so the gent's toilet wall was still there with the disgusting blue tiles on it, and the marks where the condom machine used to be. Now, the condom machine... Oh, right. When you're a teenage boy <laughs> and you don't go into a chemist, was like if you were lucky enough to, you know, possibly have to use one. To need one. Right? So, <laughs> But this was an echo chamber from hell. So if you went in there and chucked your 50p in, and back in those days you used to get three condoms for 50p, so you'd put it in there, and that would be like amplified sound. And then you'd pull the crunchy handle thing, and you couldn't have made a louder noise. I'll tell noise. you what, I, I always remember some chap, I don't know if this was a joke or what, and this chap said, he, not, he said, I've now been in there to get some condoms, and the chap said, there aren't any in there. He said, oh, you haven't had any in there for 10 years. You're the first person who come and actually ask for some change <laughs> off the money back. He said, because most people just yeah, don't. No, I wouldn't have you heard that. Oh, is that a no, joke? No, oh, I always remember that. No, I, that is exactly, I can imagine. Everyone just went red and went out. They didn't go and say, I didn't get my whatever. No, no. you'd go to a chemist, wouldn't you, otherwise? When you're a teenager, you obviously uh, 
17 or 18. But, yeah, it's like, ah, oh, you can imagine the whole village is a bit like the church bells ringing. You get them out, you put it in your pocket, you get on your bike and... God, terrible. Anyway, the dynamic of the village completely and absolutely, yeah, pulled to pieces. There is nothing, there's nothing, no infrastructure. There's not even a... There's a bus service about twice or three times a week now. Because in the other end, what we never... I know the Suffield Arms is near Gunton Station, getting back to that. But the Suffield Arms used to be in Suffield on that right tight bend down in the bottom near Williams is. Yeah, okay. And you could just see the stencil of the Suffield Arms written on the wall. Really? What, what, the one literally on... On the corner. That was the original Suffield Arms. I don't know. You could just see below that. That used to be thatched. And just below the thatch, you could see... I can remember seeing the stencil of the Suffield Arms. Whether that's still visible or not, I don't know. No, I'll have a look. That's the sort, I like that sort of stuff. And then the other house, where it's moved, you know, where the Suffield Arms is now. Yes. My father-in-law used to live in there. Really? Yeah, he did. His parents lived there, and he lived in there. So the upstairs bar area, that's where his bedroom was up in there. It's like you know, how times have changed. Yeah. Because previously, it wasn't it was an OK pub. There's been some good landlords, bad landlords, you kind of made it just about scrape through. But it then was shut for... Five years? Yeah, I suppose that would have been. At yeah. least, wasn't it? While they did it up. Um, yeah. Anyway, talking of pubs. Actually, I must meant before I go, we're going to have a beer. We're going to try a beer. You've got to pick a beer out of these and we'll share it. You can have a look at that while I'm running on about. I've got to mention this lad, Oscar Smith. The prize he's got for coming on the walk with me and Ben was won all our countless years of knowledge we were able to pass on to him because he's a young guy who was working... You know, in a in a big organisation, and he's he's looking to give farmers advice and do kind of a, an an agent's job, but as an individual for less money and and make a living out of it, and with plus one or two other things. And I said he can have a free advert. So in a couple of weeks' time, once we've put it together and got the girls to record it, we can have an Oscar Smith advert for his little business well, that's good. as his reward for turning up on the Doing Grain Walk. So if you if you want your your business plugged. And there aren't 3,000 of you. We probably, with the shock of actually having someone there, we were delighted. And so there's a little like, yeah, with someone, we've got a listener, a live listener. Anyway, I'm running on now. Right, we are going to share. This is one of the beers that was bought for me at the Fram Farmers meeting by Carl. It is Beyond the Fringe Citra and Centennial Pale Ale, and this is the Burnt Mills Brewery. So Carl Driver, who kindly bought us a great big box, can be mentioned lots of times. I do feel a bit guilty because one of our directors here, Ian Dean, bought us loads of beers. We drunk them in a session over Christmas, so we can't actually recount the box. I've given him a second mention, Ian. Hope you don't mind, but this guy... Where are they? Where's their brewery, then? That's in Suffolk, isn't it? That's right by Stowmarket. I've never heard of that one. If you if you tip your glass, we do this as a teamwork thing, otherwise that'll be a cock-up, won't it? Okay, we have to describe it like we're on a food program. Now. Okay. So you have a sip, and then you got to say what you think. Okay, teamwork. Yeah, right. It's very yellow. That's more like lager, really. It says it's got lemon in it, doesn't it? Citra. Yeah. What do you that's mean? like. Hang on, that's a bit like that ghost ship. It's very like a ghost ship. That could be. We should. probably shouldn't say no, that. No, 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 it definitely isn't. This is their own that brew. isn't. They have that a great, could be. That's a very nice beer. That's lovely. I'm now going to have a little bit more, and you can have the other bit. That's nice, isn't it? This is a very good beer, Carl. Well done. Burnt that mill. That's very nice. Yeah. How strong is it? That's um, 4.8. 
So just right. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. No, yeah, I mean, so this is the best bit of the end, drinking the beer. Yeah, so has it been too painful? No, that's been okay. I'm glad I just thought just to go for it. I mean... Is there anything we haven't covered I should have talked about? I no, I think that's always difficult for me because I'm not used to doing anything like this, but... Who will be the first person, William, Jack or Sam, who will respond, in your opinion? I don't know. Who's up first? When do these go on? How? how this is. This will be on Monday. Next Monday. Yes, we'll keep it a secret because, you know, you're an Almy. We can't let anyone know nothing about you until you're actually there and naked on the screen. So, yeah, Monday, you're out live. Okay. Well, thanks. Thanks no. for asking me, Andrew. My pleasure. And when you listen back, you will not regret a second, Brian. I promise well, you. Well, hope hopefully not. No, that'll do. I really appreciate you coming in. Thank All you. All right. Thanks, Andrew. Cheers. Thank you. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they are released and follow us on Twitter. We are at Dewing Grain. Call Dewing Grain on 01263 731 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by East Coast Design Studio in Norwich.